sound encouraging. Do we want to shut the window? Because that seems to be getting a lot louder. Could we just have it open a crack? It's, it's just It'll be all right. It's it, 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 a bit of background noise isn't the end of the world. I mean, we've coughed, farted and belched our way through most Probably of this, be so a, it should a, be fine. a yeah. marching band will go past <laughs> now. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, a theatrical cut. I'm Sonia. Sat to my right with his face for radio is Terry. Hi, Sonia. Hello, dear. Sat to my left with his face very much for radio is Dan from the Mother Pod. Hi. Hey, Dan. How's it going? I'm great, thanks. Thanks. It's lovely to have you here. It's lovely to be here. You've got a little bit of glitter on your forehead, and every time I look at you, it's quite angelic. Oh, thanks. Um, and there's the nicest thing I'm going to say to Dan all year. I'm writing that down in when we get to the top ten nice to things it, people have said to me. Do you want to put it in your scrapbook? Yeah, I will do, yeah. Okay, then. Definitely. I'll take a picture of the glitter and put it in my scrapbook. I mean, now it's getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel very uncomfortable Hopefully, right now. yeah, we just cut it out. Hopefully you've all listened to and thoroughly enjoyed our top ten films of the year. Our own personal top ten yep. films of the year. This episode, we're going to look at uh, the TV shows and documentaries that rocked our world in 2019. We're going to look at some of the films we didn't really enjoy in 2019. And Terry's going to finish us off nicely (laughs) by crowning. (laughs) I don't know why Dan's laughing at that. I don't know what I said that was so funny. Really? Um, You're implying like a money shot. You know that, right? (laughs) The vinegar strokes territory. Yeah, I don't know about it. Yeah. yeah. You said you didn't know, so I yeah, thought I'd I know. throw you in. I know, I said I didn't. Sarcastic. What's, um, you need to spend more time with me, Dan. Well, we, we, but don't. <laughs> we've been talking about wanking a lot on the podcast recently. Not ours. Well, I just add in every now and then. <laughs> Subliminal message. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia just go, and I really like Downton. Wanking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> That squeak's not going to go by on this, is it? I hope no one had that like quite loud. <laughs> I would have just screamed wanking really loud into people's ears then. That'll be the point when everyone's mums walk into the room. <laughs> they're, they're, the window's fogged up a bit on the car. And <laughs> wanking. As you Wind pull up back. next to a policeman. Licence and registration, wanking. If anyone wants to cut that out, edit it. I'll put it in everything. It'll be fine. And as I was saying, Terry's going to finish us off with a by, by, by crowning the theatrical cut listener top film of the year. I am, as well as the worst film and TV of the year as well. We've got combined for worst all. film and best TV. Yeah, just clarify that. Did I say it the wrong way around again? No, it sounded like you said worst film and worst TV. Okay, it doesn't matter. Dan, you're going to start us off. Are am you I? ready? Yeah. Let you know, it's we're doing TV first. Oh, I like TV. Good. Uh, num- so, number five then, yeah? Yes. Glow. Season three of Glow. Uh, Glow is a TV series I have liked uh, for the last two series. Thought it was fantastic. And then series three just just completely blew it out of the water. Uh, very socially conscious. Uh, very of its era. The actors are fantastic in it. There's Everyone is incredibly likable. You are rooting for them the whole time. Uh, particularly Mark Maron as like the, the bitter director who's finally found some kind of 
joy in life from all this. You've got Bash, the promoter, who's trying to um, try, just trying to be himself, but there's just so many stumbling blocks in the world. He's got Kate Nash in it as well, uh, of uh, of Kate Nash, fame. Kate Nash fame. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not necessarily a selling point for some people. No, she's really good in this though. Yeah, it's got Alison Brie from Community, who's brilliant in it, and her rivalry slash friendship. Uh, with the Liberty Bell, the main character in it, is fantastic. It's based on something that really happened. But obviously, they've embarrassed a lot of things. There is a high point uh, set in a gay club, which is incredibly socially conscious about, particularly of the era, the 80s, and and, and still relevant today. I, I absolutely love this TV show. It's funny when it needs to be funny. It's sad when it needs to be sad. And it's good when it needs to be good. Which is What's it about, Dan? It's called The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. So it's I about... didn't actually know that's what it no, stood for. Yeah. So it's about um, a, a group of actors slash wrestlers who are trying to find their way, trying to do something relevant. Uh, by season three, they've moved to Vegas and putting on a regular show as wrestlers. Think WWE, but hammed up to uh, the most it can possibly hammed up to, uh, and and all women wrestling basically. Uh, it sounds pervy. It, I promise you, it's not. Uh, it's just really, really damn good. And is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's a Netflix original, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Netflix original. And I thoroughly recommend watching all three seasons. They're all really good. I think season three might be the best one yet, though. So I really, really like Glow. Cool. Mm. It's me next, isn't it? If we're going anti-clockwise, yes. Rebel. Uh, my number five is a documentary rather than a TV show, because we decided we were going to include mm-hmm. those as well. Netflix documentary, Tell Me Who I Am... Um, now, I really feel like Netflix uh, spoiled us when they released Making a Murderer mm. because it was brilliant and it spawned lots of, let's call them docu-likes. Loads of documentaries suddenly started like being thrown at us, especially like bad guy documentaries. And I never really felt that any documentary that came out after Making a Murderer really... Well, I really enjoyed as much, to be honest. I mean, Making a Murderer was a series and Tell Me Who I Am is a one-off documentary. First of all, I have to say that Tell Me Who I Am is nothing like Making a Murderer, Mm. but I do feel it's one of the much better documentaries that Netflix has given us since Making a Murderer. It is the story of Alex and Marcus, who are identical twins, and Alex suffers complete memory loss after a motorbike accident. When he wakes up, the only person he recognises and remembers is his twin brother, Marcus. He doesn't even recognise his own mother. So he has to rebuild his life, basically. He has no memories of anything. He can't even remember how to make a cup of tea. It's not just a case of, I don't remember the people around me. He doesn't remember anything. So Marcus really has to help him rebuild his life. And he paints this picture of their idyllic childhood that they had together, telling him about parties that his parents threw when they grew up and holidays that they went on and stuff like that and it isn't until the death of their mother and they start to clean out her house that Alex actually starts to question what his brother Marcus has been telling Mm. them about their growing up um now Alex and Marcus aren't estranged at all they actually work together they see each other regularly they are identical, and all I can say is, thank God Marcus has got a beard, because you would <laughs> not be able to tell the difference between the two of them. But you watch the documentary, and they've obviously been filmed separately. Mm. So you see Alex's side of the story, and then you see Marcus's side of the story. Towards the end of the storytelling, 
when Alex is questioning, well, you know, we started going through my mother's house and some questions were raised and the, deep, the deeper I sort of delved and the more questions I started asking, the more I realised that maybe my brother Marcus hadn't been telling me the truth. He wants the truth from his brother Marcus. And they're put face to face, so they're sat opposite each other. And it's really tense because even though they're not estranged, it's not like the first time they've seen each other in years. It's probably the first time they've seen each other in like a day. But there's this real tension. And Marcus actually turns around and he says, I can't, I can't, what you want to know, I can't talk about it. It's too painful. So he is recorded talking about it. And then Alex has to watch a playback of it. And you get this big reveal at the end of sort of what actually happened in their childhood that Marcus was trying to protect his brother from. And I can honestly say I haven't been as affected by a story. It's obviously a true life story. It's something that really happened. I didn't see what was going to happen and the people that were involved in it. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, it was recommended to me by someone that I work with and she said, I saw this documentary and I couldn't, it kept me awake all night. I couldn't stop thinking mm. about it. And I can honestly say it had the same impact on me. I very re rarely watch real life documentaries about people and they reduce me to tears. But I was literally sobbing at the end of this because I could not cope with how these two guys were together there was obviously this very deep love between them this huge connection but there was something that was whole like separating them this big secret that Marcus was keeping to protect his brother he was keeping it to protect his brother but he was also keeping it because he didn't want to relive it himself mm. it's really really powerful really really good watch and there's a scene at the end where they just they're, op they're sat opposite each other at this table and they stand up and have these very awkward and clumsy cuddle over the table <laughs> and it's just so awkward but so real and so like heartbreaking <clears throat> to watch and then they carry on and they carry on living their lives and it's so well filmed and so well told utterly like devastating to watch and quite grim in places but totally totally worth it well done netflix i'm bringing out another brilliant documentary I'll be watching that. I didn't really even good. know of its existence, but that's, that sounds like the kind of thing I would want to watch. I've written yeah. shocking, devastating, utterly compelling. Uh, it's my go-to recommend title for people at the moment. Excellent. I'll watch that. Yeah. Definitely. Really enjoyed it. If you can enjoy something so horrible. Terry. Sounds delightful. <laughs> uh, so continuing with the Netflix theme, mm. uh, for me, it's Stranger Things Series 3 is my number five. Who is it? It is. What would you say like that for? Nothing. So, obviously, Stranger Things Series 1 came out a couple of years ago, really liked it. Series 2, I didn't enjoy as much. So I was a little bit trepidous going into Season 3, thinking, like, is it going to just be more shit? But I think it was a real return to form. I think it's the kids, obviously, growing up, they've definitely become, like, better actors, I think. Um, Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven is just phenomenal, mm. I think. When you uh, say her name out loud, it sounds really silly. Millie Bobby Brown. I oh, know, I've only really read it before. Apparently, she's one of the highest paid actresses. She gets paid $350,000 per episode. Wow. And she's like 15 years old. Wow. She has her own production company as well. Uh, it's fucking <laughs> she's nuts. She's just bought out a cheap range of makeup as well. Oh, is she? Uh, I'm chuffed when I do the recycling. <laughs> like, just, just and you're out. 45. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you open your wallet and you realise that you did buy stamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, oh, fucking hell. Little she's, fist pump. Yeah. She's there 15 running a production company. Oh. Makes you yeah. sick, doesn't yeah. it? Bloody overachievers. <laughs> yeah, um, so this obviously follows the kids from from the other series. Obviously, we've had the Upside Down. The Upside Down doesn't come into it quite as much in this one. The Upside Down is sort of coming to like 
normal normal type to like the normal world. Yeah, stuck in the upside down. I'm Sonya's drinking mug from is a Stranger Things cup. Currently <laughs> stating, uh, we get a bit more from Billy, the older brother, who I think is again phenomenal in mm. this series. He gets a very big arc, and he's a big part of it. Whereas before in series two, he was just like the douchey older brother. A bit brother. of a dick. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's very much still a bit of a dick in this. Oh, but, totally. Um, yeah, there's some like really horrible sort of body horror type stuff in this series. Yeah. Um, but essentially, you've got the group together again. They end up getting split up a little bit. You've got... Um, I've blanked all of their names. Uh, the one with the teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's come back from like science camp and he's got this girlfriend that he keeps going on about. And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course oh, you've you got a girlfriend. The one with the t- I'd call him the one with the face. <laughs> you guys are equally kind, really. What's his name? Dustin. Dustin, Dustin there we I go. Thought, I couldn't remember if that was his real name or not. Um, so yeah, so he's a bit separated from the group. You've got um, Steve is now working in Scoops Ahoy, the ice cream shop with, again, Robin, Robin is that her yeah. name? Which is the, Uma Thurman's daughter. The best part of the series the for me troop. is those yeah. and their outfits. Yeah. yeah. Realise that being told that was Uma Thurman's daughter and then realising... Of course it is. She looks exactly like yeah. her. She's in, she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah, as well. Yeah, very, very <coughs> briefly. I also love the fact, like, her thing is like, oh, yeah, I could speak, like, French. I'm sure I'll be able to speak Russian. And she completely decodes a Russian message yeah. despite not speaking Russian. Thought that was quite a nice little touch. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, like, the shopping mall comes into it mm. a bit more. Hopper's very, very, very protective of Eleven to the point of where he puts, like, the Frighteners on, um, what's his name? The boy. The boy, yeah. With Mike. the hair. Mike. Yeah, Mike with the hair. I say, I say Mike's got the hair because he's got like, the big bob cut, hasn't he? Who's totally been typecast as anything remotely 80s now. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't call yeah. him the hair, I called him the head. The face. Oh, the face, sorry. Oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, so they're very much like trying to engage in a relationship, but Hopper basically tells him to, to do one or I'm going to murder you <laughs> in your sleep. Uh, I really like Hopper in this series. Yeah. I think like he, again, grows as a character. Like You see a bit more... He's very much after Joan. I'm getting the names right here. I? Correct me if I go wrong. I've, I've got him. I've got him here. Because um, Dan's done his homework. Yeah. No, I've written. It I've down done it. my homework. Joyce. I just, Joyce. Sorry. Joyce, yeah. Yeah. yeah Why have you done your homework? You haven't remembered anyone's name. <laughs> you don't remember anyone's names in real life. You just said the one with the face. <laughs> you can't. You can't be. And famously, you referred to Thanos as the purple guy with the chin. <laughs> <laughs> you knew who I was talking about, though. Um, so yeah, so he's up making Famously. plays. He's making plays <laughs> for her. We go back to some of like the places from the first series, like that big, like um, science place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we know what you mean. It's um, you are doing so well. And you've got like the scene stealing Russian um, scientist that they kidnap, and Hopper and him have like this lovely little relationship. You've got the Terminator sort of. Sp- Spin off yeah. where you've got the guy that's just coming for them and he's blatantly just like the Terminator. But yeah, I just I thought it was a real return to form. I thought it was had a lot of heart, <clears throat> really sort of pulled them together and like they've grown they've all grown as characters where with some series like it's just the same old shit recycled. Um some very emotional bits in this as well. Yeah. As you would expect. Um and some quite hilarious moments as well. But yeah, I really, really liked Stranger Things season three. Yeah, I like it as well. I completely agree with you. It's it's um, Hopper does steal the show in this one, particularly like the the fact that he's clearly watched um, Magnum what? PI. Yeah, with the moustache and yeah. the, the wonderful floral shirt. Yeah, definitely. I think it's great, and the Scoops Troop are definitely the best thing in it. I oh. think what I love about the Robin Steve relationship <clears throat> is that it's he thinks she fancies him. Yeah, and it turns out that. He, 
he's she's just jealous that he gets to go with any anyone and and not have yeah. anyone stare at him basically for she's just trying to she's just trying to live a normal life as a lesbian basically and just spoilers yeah, people, that's people. it Dan's ruined Stranger yeah. Things for yeah I, I just, just wouldn't bother watching it basically but yeah but yeah it's definitely do you know what would be really good is this this upside down cup yeah if it was actually upside down yeah yeah they should yeah the writing was upside they missed, down they missed a trick there didn't they I'll, uh, I'll throw it at the wall in a second then and um, we'll get a new one so yeah I really like that me it's your turn now yeah we're Number going four. anti-clockwise yeah uh, it's better for your heart Number four is fucking diabolical. It's the boys. And I've spilled... My God. <laughs> we Dan's, said it was going to be you. Dan's so excited he spilled <coughs> all of his drinks. Uh, I fucking love this TV series. It's one of the rare TV series where both uh, me and Sarah will sit down and watch the whole thing. Like, we very rarely agree on TV shows that we like. And this is one of them. We both loved it. Um, boys is a story about how superheroes aren't really that super aren't wonderful people and really just massively egotistical. Um, and it does that really well. Me and Sonia did a whole podcast on it that since has never been released because uh, I forgot to take the echo off it. Oh, do you know what? Yeah. I obviously remembered that we'd recorded it. Yeah. But I couldn't remember if you'd released it or not. No, I didn't bother in the end because it was... T- we'll, we'll re-record it at some point. Uh, it won't have... It's like me and Terry with the zombie things. Yeah. It was It was, it a, was a moment good... in time. We'll do one for season two. Yeah, because it was... It, we captured a moment, Dan, and I don't think we could recapture it. I've not it. watched it yet. You don't watch The Boys? No. Okay, I won't spoil anything then. All I'll say is Homelander... Why not? He spoils everything. <laughs> All I'll say is Homelander steals the show in this. Uh, he's um, the superhero, Superman slash Captain America-like figure in this. Uh, and he, he absolutely steals the show. But every superhero is deeply flawed in their own way uh, and just eminently watchable, as well as the boys themselves who are just... About as normal as it gets, but just have this ability to cause havoc. This TV series is fantastic. Um, and it, it goes, it, it, it's a peek behind the curtain of, of superheroes and how probably realistically how they would actually be if they were a real thing. Hmm. I love this show. It's violent. It's funny. Uh, it does some things you don't expect it to do. It does things that when you're talking about superheroes in a playground when you're a kid, just things like, well, what if you tried doing this to Superman? He goes, oh, I never thought about that. It does the, it does those things mm-hmm. in this TV series that you that you've you've every now and then thought about, um, and it's just it's a realer than real world in the same way that kind of Watchmen kind of started that trend of like uh, this these superheroes um, aren't necessarily the people that we expect them to be, um, and this this does a really good job of of highlighting a load of flaws, potential character flaws in what some of the superheroes we have in. Pop culture now are basically. I love this show. I think it's really, really good. It's like superheroes for a wage, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Yeah. They're doing it because they're getting paid. And Carl Urban's great, and it's Billy the Butcher or Billy oh. Butcher. Um, one of my favourite characters. Hopefully, gets a bit more time. The next one is which is Queen Maeve, which is the um, the uh, Wonder Woman clone. Basically, yeah. she is fantastic in this, and it's hinted at. She, she's one of the few people that might actually be not necessarily a horrible person. Yeah. Who was yeah. the one who didn't talk? Uh, uh, Black Noir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's basically Batman. But yeah, doesn't ever talk. This, uh, obviously I like this a lot because we did the spoiler yeah. cast and I watched it because you kept banging on and on about it. Yeah. This is on Amazon, isn't it? Yeah. I, uh, it was, it probably would have made my number six, but yeah. because, we, 
because we'd done the spoiler cast, I thought, oh, well, I won't talk about it again. But it turns <laughs> out no one's heard the spoiler cast, so I could have <laughs> talked about it. I'm not rejigging my top five. Uh, I say um, that, that the, these are my favourites, but I like the Deep as well, who's the Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, I just think they're all brilliant. Yeah. Horrible, horrible people. Terrible people. Yeah. But, uh, except for Starlight, obviously. But... Um, yeah, no, I love the show. It's really good. I, th- I think a lot of people have watched it. Season two's early next year, I think, which is good because it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, I think they need to capture that kind of lightning in a bottle uh, thing that, that's come from this. So, yeah, well worth it. Can't wait to see some more of it. Defo. Yeah. Um, my, ne- my number four is a Netflix series. And I really think that the series and the, and the documentaries on Netflix are getting better and better mm. to the point where I probably enjoyed TV more this year than I did films. Same. And I've, my notes that I've written for the TV top five are like pages long mm. compared to what I wrote for my films. I just got so much more. And I think that the quality of the TV shows is like watching mini films anyway. Anyway, now that I've said that, my number four um, is the Netflix show Unbelievable, which was seven episodes. I'm going to assume it's a one-off because it's based on a true story. Unbelievable, if you haven't seen it, is the story of a police investigation into a series of rapes. It's based on the true story of a girl called Marie, and we, each episode, we basically see another woman's life turned upside down as she's been raped by this person that they're chasing. Um, Two detectives realise that the crimes are connected and they work together to find out who this person is. The two detectives are played by Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver, the victims are all female, so you have this really strong like female cast. The film is really... Uh, sorry, not the film. The, the episodes show real violence, but at the same time can be like very gentle as well. Um, and some scenes can be incredibly hard to watch because of their violence, and other scenes can be incredibly hard to watch because they're sort of so just quiet and sad. Um, the... The fact that Tony Collette was in it mm. was probably the main reason why I wanted to see it because, you know, she can pretty much like draw me into anything. But the other character, De- Detective Duval, who's played by Merritt we- Weber or Weaver? Weaver. I think it's Weaver, who I don't really know, but her character was the one that I really enjoyed more. Tony Collette's character was very brash. She'd been doing the job longer. She wasn't a know-it-all, but... The hardened cop. Yeah, the hardened cop, if you like, and... Detective Duval like looked up to her, but Detective Duval had she's got she's got this very like soft voice and she's very calming. And although they both really seem to care about the victims, the way that Detective Duval talks to them, it, I just feel like if something terrible had happened to me, I'd want her like interviewing me afterwards because she was there was just something so gentle about her. Um, the way that, you know, they work together, they grow to respect each other and, you know, they, they investigate who this terrible person is committing these crimes. But funnily enough, the th- and I spoke to lots of people about this and I, I recommended this when it came out. I think I put it on my Instagram or whatever. And lots of people, lots of um, females that I know especially, were messaging me saying, oh, have you watched that unbelievable show? Do you recommend it or is it too hard to watch? Because mm. people were worried about watching it. Mm. I was just like, no, no. It's like, I think people were worried that they actually portrayed rape on the screen like actually showed it and I was like no it is hard to watch but you should definitely watch it but quite a few people messaged me and and said the same thing that I thought was that the the second character you meet the second victim for some reason hits 
like hit me really hard. Maybe just the way it was played. I don't know, but it really, really upset me. And a few people messaged me and said, oh, I watched that show that you said about. Did the second girl really upset you? And I was like, yeah, for sure. One thing I will say about it is the girl whose story this is based on, Mm. I found her incredibly unlikable. And for the whole series, even though you see her her full story and you see her change and develop and evolve, I guess, by the end of it, I still had a hard time finding any sympathy for her. I'm not obviously not saying she deserved it or anything like that. Nothing like that at all. But at the end of it, I still didn't like her. I started off, mm. took an instant dislike to her and by the end of the series, I didn't like her. You can not like someone still have sympathy for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people I spoke to said, oh no, she had such a hard time. By the end of it, I felt really sorry for her. I still couldn't find myself finding any sympathy for the lead character victim because I thought she was so awful. And because then after watching the series, I read up about it and realised it was a real person. (laughs) (laughs) So I felt like even more of a terrible person. But unbelievable. A very grim watch. It's hard to watch, but it's, it's a very good watch as well. And it has Tony Collette in it, so... Nice. Win-win. So that's Netflix. It's seven episodes. You could binge it over a weekend. Mm. Easy. Is it me next? Yes. Uh, so my number four for TV is Chernobyl, or Chernobyl as most people call it. Um, <laughs> so this was obviously a limited series. I think it was only like four episodes or five episodes. Um, it's doing quite well in nominations for different bits and pieces, but essentially it is about the Chernobyl incident that happened in Chernobyl. Um <laughs> where a nuclear reactor exploded um, and essentially, as you see through the show, at first they refuse to believe that it's exploded. It literally mm. takes them about a day to realise that actually it has exploded. They think that there's just been some something's happened and it's fine. They keep sending people into the reactor who essentially melt when they get there. Um, and it's just like Russia's reaction to the Chernobyl disaster mm. and how they basically, <clears throat> at first they try and cover it up and just try and hide it. And then it becomes apparent to them that they can't. And it just... The, you, we sort of mainly follow Jared Harris, who is a scientist who's written a paper which basically says that this could happen at a nuclear reactor. Mm. Um, although his paper's been redacted, I think, and that's why he ends up getting brought in because they want to know about the redacted section. And he's basically trying to be like, we need to do this. And they're like, well, we can't do that because people are going to find out, or that's stupid, or we'll just do it like this. And he's like, if you do it like that, people will die. And it's he's like the voice of reason trying to talk them into doing the right thing you've got Stellan Skarsgård who's like the Russian politician who's been sent in to do it the Russian way and sort of keep it under wraps and it's sort of about their relationship and then you've got um is it Imelda Staunton or am uh, I getting... no it's uh, Emily Watson Emily Watson sorry very different people I don't know how I got them confused uh, she plays another scientist and she's literally hundreds of miles away and she notices something and she's like that must mean that a nuclear reactor's blown up and mm. she sort of then basically manages to muscle her way into it but it's just fascinating to watch as I say to see in the media aftermath just how I don't know if it's arrogant or Mm. ignorant they are about well no of course of course that hasn't happened and they say they keep sending people in and like at the end of the last episode there's like a little like not pictures but text about what happened and there's this scene you see quite early on of people watching it's at first it just said, "Oh, there's a fire at the nuclear plant," mm. and there's people stood watching it on a bridge, and it says like every single person on that bridge died within a couple of years because it was snowing, but it wasn't snowing; it was nuclear debris, and it 
they were literally just stood there soaking it in because yeah. no one was telling them to get out of the way. And like the firemen that were just, I mean, they literally almost ended up melting because they were touching the carbon rods and stuff like that. And it's just, just mad to think that that is real. It makes it quite cinematic at times as well. Yeah, it's very like well shot. Through things that actually happened. Mm. So, um, for starters, one of my favourite facts, because I listened to the podcast that went alongside this, yeah. that I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Emily Watson's character is, is, isn't actually a real person. Or is she not? She, you know, she was made up, but she was made up to represent the fact that in Russia, at the time, it was quite sexist. There was a lot of men in work. However, the one area where there was a lot of women was uh, scientists. There was a lot of uh, yeah. female scientists and she represents all of them that had something to do with oh, helping right. them out. I was going to say, I thought, yeah. I thought her character was almost like a mashup of yeah. lots of different people. Um, there's, there's bits in this show that are so unbelievably tense because it happened. Yeah. So one of my favourite things that is the, the bit where they send the scientists through the water underneath the reactor. Yeah. Um, in the, the full gear. Um, and listen and listening to the podcast, he goes, "Well, that's not actually how it happened." He goes, "What do you mean? Just how it happened?" He goes, "They did it in pitch black. They did it in total darkness. They had to do it in total darkness." He goes, "But we can't film that, so we had to. So we had to like show how tense it was. They had to give them torches, which yeah. every now and then cut out. But they did the whole thing in in pitch in total darkness, which was considered a death sentence because they were going yeah. that close to the radiation. True story of the three scientists. Only one of them has died since." Yeah, and he died of a heart attack ten years ago. Yeah, no, it's mad because yeah. that's that is like I say, it's a very tense scene where literally yeah. they say like, "I need volunteers," but you're basically volunteering to die. Yeah, mm. and it's like you're doing this for Russia. Yeah, this yeah, has yeah. to happen, and it's just people making and like the miners as well. Yeah, because there's a bit where like the miners are mining and it's just too hot because they're trying to like dig under it so that they can sink it. Yeah, and they basically will just strip off, so they're not wearing they're not even wearing clothes, let alone protective mm. coat. Co- Guardians but they, they all know though and, yeah. and one of the things the decisions that the series makes that I think is very smart is not trying to do faux Russian accents yeah they're mm. just all talking normally yeah, um, yeah I, I absolutely I think it was it's one of those ones that I've seen, I've watched twice now because mm. there's only a few episodes isn't it so um, but it's one of those ones that I said I said at first oh, I don't think I'd ever watch it again but I was fascinated by the yeah. whole thing mm. um, another, uh, it might come up again but um, yeah, another another favorite moment is uh, where they're on the roof and they've got to get rid of the graphite off the roof. Oh yeah, and they're literally just like doing running circ- yeah. like circuits. Yeah, and don't look over the edge and stuff like that. And the guy that looks over the edge, and you're like, yeah, you're probably gonna die. Yeah, but yeah, just a slight bit of trivia. Apparently, yeah. Russia not happy with this because it doesn't paint them in a particularly good light. Yes, apparently <laughs> they are making their own version yeah. of Chernobyl where they have it as a American <clears throat> bomb that has been placed to blow up the thing, and that's why. <laughs> Because it should never have happened. One thing I, I, I like, and I'm sorry about uh, the, the, the overtaking this. Um, the bit where uh, at the end of the episode where they've gone, oh, that's not too bad. That's within normal parameters, yeah. and it's only because the uh, the yeah, meter their Geiger counter only goes up to three point six. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's only three point six. It's fine. But even when they tell Jared Harris's character because it's three point six, and he goes, well, that's way above normal. Yeah. Like even he's like even that is considered yeah. bad. So and it's yeah. actually like in the tens of thousands. Yeah. But yeah, no, a, a brilliant show. Cool. Again, not really a pick me up. No, yeah, not not a cheery one. No, definitely not. But what was that on? Netflix. That were, no, Sky. that was like Sky. Yeah, yeah Sky. Oh, available yeah. on DVD yeah. now. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. In is, Tesco's yeah. and other retailers. It's in, yeah, it's in available in HMV. Funny enough, I think, from what I understand. And our price? Probably not. <laughs> Richer sounds. Oh no, that's the stereo place, isn't it? It is. I was yeah. thinking of Sam Goody. Do you remember that? No. What? Oh, what? Do you not remember Sam Goody, the record shop? No. Oh. Sorry. 
<laughs> she's just dated herself. Yeah, I have horribly. Um, should I cheer us up a bit? Yeah, sure. With my with my number three. Uh, it's the What We Do in the Shadows TV series. Oh, Bants. Yeah. I... Matt Berry. Oh, my Bats. <laughs> Human form. Um, uh, just, just to be clear, I said Bants. I know. Not I know. Bats. No, uh... I know. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a regular joke on the podcast at the moment where I have to remind Russ of the, the bit where he's standing in front of the bushes and going, I've been spending a lot of time with erotic topiary. Just cracks me up every time when he's trying to mould his mum's vagina uh, out of a bush. This this series series is excellent, and if I didn't think I thought oh, it's going to be rubbish, it's not going to be as good as the film. It might be better than the film. I definitely think it's better than the film. Um, there are some key episodes in this, particularly the vampire. Have you seen this, Derek? I've seen bits of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Have you seen the Vampire Council episode? I think so. It's just a work of genius where mm-hmm. they, they've obviously decided we can put we can get all these people in one room together. Uh, it's fantastic. It, it's it, it takes a lot from the film. Um, I think the casting of Matt Berry as a vampire yeah. is fucking perfect. The casting of Matt Berry in general in anything. Kai Van Novak as well is perfect yeah. as well for that. And they, 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 they each take on different roles. I love the idea of the, um, uh, is it the emotional vampire. The guy that's at the office just making everyone like bored. And he sucks on their emotions like by... Uh, <laughs> by, by having like really boring conversations and he's the most dangerous one of all of them um, and then when we he... all know someone like that yeah exactly and when he meets his match as well the, 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 the lady who uh, sucks on like uh, having just like the most tragic life ever basically it's so fucking good this, this TV series is, is fantastic it's hilarious every episode doesn't lose steam I watched it all in one go because I just wanted to keep watching the next episode uh, and it's all still available on BBC iPlayer as well. So pretty much anyone can watch that. Love this show. That's, I mean, that's not much more I can add to it. It's, I, I love the episode with the, the hat, the, uh, the cursed hat. Um, but the werewolves come back into it, like in the, t- in the film as well. Yeah, it's, this, film, this TV series is fantastic. And I am denied about putting it in there, but I'm glad I did because I think we need to pick me up after the, the current run of TV oh, series. Oh, definitely. This, this, yeah. It's fantastic. And I say, all on iPlayer, so to go out and watch it. Me? Yeah. Cool. Uh, my number three is Mindhunter, <clears throat> which was on Netflix. It's nine episodes. Me and Dan did a spoiler cast on it. Did you release it? Yeah, that one got released. Oh, okay then. So People maybe I don't, like that. Maybe I don't need to talk too much about it. Um, if you've seen series one of Mindhunter, this differs slightly in the sense that rather than lots of profiling which does go on in the background, Mm. they are actually following one specific case. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Mindhunter because we have talked about it a lot on the pod in the past and Dan and I have done a whole... Go back and listen to it. A whole podcast Mm. on season two of Mindhunter, which you can go back and listen to. But what I really love about this show is how sort of stylish and slick it looks. And it really like plays up to what seems to be a current murder obsession mm. that it seems to be overtaking everyone i really like the pace of this there was there was a few elements in the series which dan and i talked about on the pod that i i could have done without but ultimately i think it was an excellent follow-up to series one and are they doing a series three yeah because yeah, i'm quite seven planned i think i'm quite interested to see what direction they take series three in mm. now i think they needed to change Series two, 
I don't think we needed another whole series of profiling. However, the who's who of murderers that we had in series one, I enjoyed very much. So I hope we see a few more of those in series yeah. three. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love like it. Didn't, didn't quite make my list. Just missed out. Hmm. Uh, but but I am, I'm a massive fan of Mindhunter. It just missed out because I thought the first series was kind of lightning in a bottle. And then this, mm. this kind of carries on and it's still great, but it's, n- it's, it's not quite the same level. Um, and honestly, I've watched so much TV this year that there's a load of series that I really like that I missed out. This was definitely one of them. So, yeah. Terry? Uh, so for <coughs> me, my number three is Line of Duty. Ooh. So this is the BBC series. <laughs> so this is series number five that came out this hmm. year. It's hard to talk about it at all, really, if you because I don't want to spoil the other series. Because although each series has its own case, they're all very much intertwined. Mm. So series five, so it's following AC12. They're like an anti-corruption unit. So no one really likes them because they're going after cops. Um, this series centers around Stephen Graham, who is a cop who is undercover in a sex traffic, drugs slash overall gang culture, and. To start off with, we meet him, we don't know he's a cop, and then we find out he's a cop. That's quite <clears> soon, that's not a spoiler. But then essentially we find out that he actually hasn't been reporting back to his boss for like three months. So there's very much a, has he actually turned, has he become one of these? So you're sort of following that. That's the main case they go through because he's basically using his contacts to do things for the criminals, but you're not sure whether he's doing it to get himself further into the crew or whether he's actually turned... Um, so I say, I don't really want to say any more than that because it it's a spoiler for anything else, but there's the recurring theme of H, which if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about without it spoiling it for anyone who doesn't. But yeah, it's just, it's such a well-filmed cop show. You've got the three main cops and they're just, the way they act with each other is how you'd ex- actually expect them to act. They trust each other, which in a lot of cop shows they don't. You know, where something happens, it's like, oh, do we actually really trust this person? They do trust each other and like quite implicitly. So that's a bit refreshing. But yeah, it's it's really good. Show. I think series one to four is on Netflix mm. and five is, is yeah. still available on iPlayer. But I binge watched one to four when it was on Netflix and series five was the first one I had to watch week by week, mm. which as I was saying to Dan earlier, normally with that, I will wait and I will binge. Mm. But in the line of duty, I had to know, I had to watch it as it went out. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's really gripping. It doesn't hold back. It doesn't pander. I love TV where, and this goes for like Mindhunter as well, like where they don't, uber explain everything stuff just happens and you have to keep up on your own mm. um, but yeah I really like Line of Duty cool back to me yeah number two right number two it's Chernobyl we've already talked about that and I pretty much overtook that so I'm not going to say much about it except that I I just love it I think it's you know it's not a cheery show um, one one added thing and I suggest listening to the podcast if you watch the, the podcast is really informative it's the director it's the showrunner who, who does it and he just talks about each episode, episode by episode. Uh, <coughs> one thing I, I, I love is that the there's a scene where they're in the hospital with the people that have uh, succumbed to radiation sickness and they look a little worse for wear. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. They're yeah. essentially see-through. So then it, then it cuts to um, her saying that she spoke to so-and-so and he, he just didn't have a face. Um, and they said, we decide... The, the, the showrunner just goes... Um, we, we had the option to, to, to try and show that. We thought, um, we're not trying to be gratuitous with this, they said. Mm-hmm. We, we're trying to, um, we're trying to, trying to sh- say that it's bad, 
Um, but but we don't want to. It's, it's, we're not going out of our way to be gory with this, so we just didn't want to show it. And then the person doing the podcast goes, I think it also had the effect that it made it worse if that you didn't see it. Yeah. You showed What's the other two. What's in your two. mind is yeah. far worse. You showed the other two, but but then not showing that makes it makes it seem far more severe as well. So yeah, Chernobyl's fantastic. Really, really well put together TV show. Um, and about and it just escalates like in this real world situation about something that. <laughs> It gets crazier and crazier. The measures they have to go through to try and contain the problem they've got is is unreal, and it's just it's just almost unrealistic measures they have to go to to try and stop it. Absolutely fantastic show. So yeah, there you go. Nice. Um, my number two is another Netflix show, eight episodes. It's Sex Education, which I binged on a couple of weeks <laughs> ago, and I absolutely bloody loved it i don't know why i haven't watched it sooner mm. because it's got gillian anderson in it she's great in it and she is my ultimate queen um she plays a sex therapist called Jean milburn and i find her very funny in it yes she, she takes a very comic turn in this and i really really like it however although i was drawn in by gillian the main story actually focuses on her son, Otis, who starts to hand out sex advice to the other kids in his school. He, this all comes about accidentally when he gives some advice to the guy who's been bullying him and mm. they all end up locked in the toilet together. And he ends up helping this guy and the girl that happens to be there with them, this Maeve Wiley, who's a bit the school bad girl, if you like. She's got a bit of a bad reputation. She hits on this idea of like, well, hang on a minute, we can work together. I'll book people in. I'll take money from them and you can give them sex advice. That's what we're going to do. So the series kind of follows them trying to get clients, but also just get through their school year and their teenage ups and downs i guess they've got their own issues which they have to deal with late deal with and it's basically like a coming of age story for otis and his schoolmates the it's really filthy in parts yeah. it's uh, very funny it's very sad it's very very easy to watch in one sitting it has lots of ups and downs and I think it's got a really brilliant ending and my actual notes here say which can only lead to stickiness pardon the expression in series two series two I think is out January something like that yeah very soon so I'm glad that actually I did sort of like latch onto it quite late because it's so fresh in my mind and the girl who plays Maeve Mm. for, for months when I was seeing the posters I thought that was Margot Robbie yeah she's 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 absolutely stunning isn't she yeah um, she, um, it, it's, it's a great show. My, my, my one thought on it is that it remind the school they go to. It's very American, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like what Americans think British school is yeah. like. Like it, it would be like it's like a mixture of like a, a private school with an American school. So although yeah. it's set in this country, mm. I found the, I found it difficult to really place when it was set. Yeah, and I found the school very Americanized, but everyone is still very British. Yeah. Well, there's um, uh, there's it just deals with a lot. Of, it's one of those great shows. It's a bit like Big Mouth, uh, which do makes people feel more comfortable about some of the weird things they're thinking, as well. Which is 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 mm. a really good situation. And it's one of those things that probably they should be shown should be showing to teenagers. If I'm honest with yeah. you, make them feel slightly less weird about how they feel. Yeah, because some of the people were going in with like very, I guess, ordinary problems. The one that wants to be fucked by an alien, for example. And um, yeah. yeah, she was fun. Yeah. And then the one. The one that I enjoyed was the boy who came in and was just like, 
I don't really have anything that I want to ask you. And yeah. Otis starts sort of like giving him advice. And he says, no, seriously, I just want people to see me coming in here so they think I'm having sex. <laughs> um, and they just sit in silence for like half an hour. He pays and off mm. they go. Um, no, really, really worth a watch. Yeah, really good show. What's your number two, Terry? Uh, so my number two is already covered. Mind Hunter. I really, really yeah. like it. <clears throat> won't say much more, but say I really like the fact that it just doesn't apologise for itself. It just cracks on. I love the teasing of BTK that mm. obviously we get in every episode and there's just this, like, what's going to happen? Like, because I just love the fact that like they're just not even aware of it all. It's just like, it's a little, almost a secret for us. Um, but yeah, I just think it's so well acted. I think just so good, like the people that they have playing the criminals. Mm. It's just, yeah, really, really like it. The, the My favourite one is uh, Berkowitz. Because like, you look at him and go, oh God, that's terrible. That's terrible with the prosthetics. Then you see what he actually looks like. Mm. And go, that's fucking dead on. Like they could have probably made it look more realistic, but it wouldn't have looked anything like mm. him. He's such a weird-looking fuck. <laughs> really is. But yeah, I, I, I love that show as well. Are we around right. to yeah. number one. We're down time. to our big guns now. Anyone that knows me will not be remotely surprised by my oh. number. One. I'm just going to take the headphones off. <laughs> I'm this, go to the toilet. This is the best show on TV as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll see about that because I'm convinced that my number one is the best show. I mean, you're wrong. But it's uh, this This is... Um, <laughs> if, if you after something that scratches the Game of Thrones itch or the Battlestar Galactica <clears throat> itch, this combines those two things and it's the expanse. I dragons watched, in space. There's no dragons. It's, it's only... Uh, that's a lie. There's no dragons. But it's... Um, it's uh, a fantastic story set in a grounded uh, future, 200 years in the future. Um, and I've just watched season four, and me and Sarah watched seven episodes in one night, starting at 11 o'clock at night and finishing at six o'clock in the morning because we just couldn't stop watching it. It is so good. And season four, with the Amazon taking over after sci-fi cancelling it. The Amazon. The Amazon <laughs> taking over sci-fi cancelling it uh, hasn't caused any problems. So if you're not... I'm talking, I haven't actually said what it is. It's The Expanse. Um, you have said what it is. Yeah. You said it at the start. Okay. If, just get so excited. You can't if you, I, I, I will... Any opportunity to talk about The Expanse. Sonia's propping her um, iPad up by the books. Um, so if you don't know what it's about, 200 years in the future, uh, Earth has colonized Mars and the asteroid belt. Uh, and there is a Cold War situation between Mars and Earth that just starts bubbling under, basically, and gets... More and more tense as it goes on. Space travel in this is hard. Like, there's no like shields. There's no anti-grav plates or anything like that. If you want gravity, you create thrust. Um, and it's just in general, living in space is difficult. So to the point where the people that live on the asteroid belt, known as the Belters, uh, they don't. They're not like humans anymore. They can't just go to Earth because their bones are lighter. They've they've adapted to to living in space. In the books, they're like two meters tall. They're all really tall because they've been stretched out. Um, Mars is this technological power where they're... The slogan is, every Martian will get a garden, is the goal, where they're slowly terraforming for the next stage. Uh, I don't want to give anything away about season four because so much happens between season one and season four. I don't think I've watched a TV series where the pace is quite as quick as The Expanse in the terms of... But in season one, you're dealing with peop- uh, ice uh, rock hoppers, uh, uh, ice truckers, basically, and they deal they they deal with ice getting them to the asteroid belts uh, and and uh, selling them water, basically. Whereas by season four, it has gone completely batshit crazy. So much has happened that 
I, I can't say anything about season four without giving it away, with the exception that it's got Burn Gorman in, who has, you'll have seen in loads of different TV Pacific series. Pacific Rim as well. Yeah, he is perfect in what this. What did you just say? Pacific Rim. Oh. Yeah. He's perfect in this. The cast is great. You'll fall in love with Amos. I, I recommend it to anyone that's after a tense drama. Um, it's about space, but that's not really what it's about. It's about relations between two races that have become very different people. Almost alien, in fact. It's, this show is so fucking good. I can't... Everyone I I've recommended to cut him off. Everyone I've recommended it to has ended up loving it. It's, it's so good. Funnily enough, last night Lucy was flicking through yeah. Netflix yeah. and she said to, she actually stopped on yeah. The Expanse and she was just like... Oh, look, there's that show that Dan really loves. And then she carried on scrolling. <laughs> she would love it. The, the, the two shows it's similar to are Fire, it's Firefly meets Battlestar Galactica. It's those two together. It's, it's amazing. Did you see Prince Charles are playing Serenity in the new year? Hmm? Prince Charles uh, yeah, are playing I, so Serenity. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. He's 15 years old. Oh, my God. To make you feel old. Yeah, I had to take a swig of the hard stuff then. It's a Pepsi Max. What's your number one then, Sonia? My number one is my number one everything of 2019. Like, just throw my film list in the bin because <laughs> if we hadn't been having a TV top five, this would have been my number one. I would have just gone against the rules. It's Bandersnatch. I thought it was going to be Strictly. It's a yeah. TV show. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's a TV show. No, Bandersnatch is like my... It's my best thing <coughs> ever, I think. Um... Bandersnatch is the interactive show on Netflix. You would have to ask Dan or Terry the technical wise and wherefores of what you need to actually take part in this. But essentially we follow a, a young guy called Stefan as he writes and programs a choose-your-own-adventure computer game in the 80s. And we, as the viewer, are given the opportunity to choose Stefan's paths for him. So using, in my case, an Xbox controller, options come up on the screen and it could be something as simple as what's he going to have for breakfast mm. and you choose between Frosties or Sugar Puffs to more important life decisions like is he going to take a job or not? Um, and in my opinion, Charlie Brecker has written something that is pure gold. It, I've watched it at least six times and I always call it as like having a go on Bandersnatch. I never mm. say to people, should we watch Bandersnatch? It's like, have you had a go on Bandersnatch yet? Um, I've watched it three times with other people. So three times I've let other people make the choices. Otherwise it's me doing it. And I, the reason I keep watching it is obviously because you're choosing your own path. So there's lots of different ways the story can go. And it was only the other day when I was writing my notes for this, that I actually looked up, because I never actually looked up how many possible endings are there. Mm. of Bandersnatch and apparently Netflix have said there are five mm. possible endings of Bandersnatch at which point I read the five endings and I realised that I'd only seen four of them I've so only I, seen four of them so I was like oh okay well I've done this six times um, I've done this five times or six times or whatever and I've only seen whatever however they have alluded to a sixth ending where they have said try doing this mm. twice so there's an option that you can have and then there's a later on you have the option of doing it again. But I'd already done that twice. So I think that I'd actually seen a hidden ending because I'd seen an ending that wasn't on the list. I did it again a couple of nights ago and just went through choosing choose my options. I, wasn't, I didn't have a plan in mind or anything like that. And I saw the fifth ending. I was just <laughs> like, oh my, I can't believe this. It's like my dreams have come true. By the time I get to talk about this, I have seen all the possible endings of Bandersnatch. Um, 
Now, I must confess, I'm, I'm not, in my notebook here, I do actually keep notes when I watch Bandersnatch to sort of see how the paths <laughs> take. But it only occurred to me, again, watching it a couple of nights ago, why haven't I done it in diagram form? So I've done it in, like, list form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've done it in, like, list form. But, of course, I could just draw it out in the paths like they do in the actual show yeah. to show all the different bits to see if I have taken all the paths. Um, I absolutely... Love it. I'll I'd pr- I'd probably go home tonight and do it again and start drawing out my diagram with all the notes that I've got in here already. Love, love, love Bandersnatch. I'm going to keep on doing it <laughs> until they take it off Netflix. And even though I've done it so many times, I'll like leave it a couple of months and I'll forget what direction certain paths hmm. take you. Every time I watch it, I still find that I'm still sat on the edge of my seat and I'm like, I'm waiting for the controller <laughs> to vibrate. So there's a decision coming up. There's a decision coming up. Absolutely love it. So you must like Asa Butterfield then, right? Asa Butterfield. Yeah. Because he's in Bandersnatch. He's the main character in Bandersnatch and Sex Education. It's not about... No, I just like the stories, Dan. <laughs> I was just saying that... Fuck you, Dan. No, sorry, Fuck I was you. saying this the same person in both of them, so... That hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah. You know what Sonia's like with faces and names? Mm. Cool. I'm just too... I'm too gripped by the story. It's, it is really good. I really I like love, it. love, love Bandersnatch. Which is a shame that Black Mirror was... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've, right. I've put on here, um, I'm looking like forward Blackmere, to more shows being offered to us like this, but I don't think Bandersnatch can ever be topped. My overall number one of 2019, and that's hmm. overall number one of everything. It, it, it was better than any film I watched. Hmm. I don't think we'll see a lot of them in the near future because of just what a feat of yeah. you know, engineering and technology it was. Charlie Brooker said he nearly went mad yeah. writing it and building it. That's well, why I just think that's why I think it's so brilliant. It, I think they've I think on Netflix there's like seven hours of footage. Yeah. For the I mean, when journeys. I watched it again the other night, I literally watched it two nights ago when I got that a different ending that mm. I was like, Oh my god, I can't believe I'm getting this ending. But I was seeing choices which I'd never seen before as well. I was like, this just keeps on getting bigger and better. I love it. I know at some point I'm going to have seen all the options. You're, there's loads of games like this. Yeah, I know. Loads of games. But I'm wondering this if isn't it's... a game podcast. No, I'm just saying that this, that's the way to go, I think. So before, before the show started, I gave Dan um, a Choose Your Own Adventure book. Um, and having watched Bandersnatch again the other night, I said to him, you know, should we do this book together? But I think maybe because of the way it's presented... That's, that's why I like it so much. Mm. Although I haven't done one of those books since I was a kid. So not a I, nerd. <laughs> so I think that I would enjoy that. But yeah, really, really, really love I'll it. I'll give you a list of like Xbox games to look at. Okay. Because they are pretty much the same thing. Okay. There's a couple of really good ones in there. So yeah, worth a look. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I can't wait. What's Terry's number one so show? Number Is it Strictly? <coughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> the way he said that. And it's not what people would expect. I mean, I don't even know. It was Doctor Who on this year or was it on last year? I can't remember. It was last year. It was this year. Um, but yeah, it's not Doctor Who either. <laughs> uh, so mine is a slightly different tack to most things. It's the TV show Taskmaster. Nice. Oh, God. Yes, Terry. <laughs> so I sat down and I was making the list and I had like Mindhunt, A Line of Duty. I mean, getting into the notable mentions already, but Watchmen, mm. This Time with Alan Partridge, Abducted in Plain Sight, yeah. that documentary. And I was like... But what is the TV show that I'm most like and that I've watched over and over? And it's Taskmaster. I absolutely, if you haven't watched Taskmaster, it's a Dave original with Alex Horn and Greg Davis as Taskmaster. And essentially, a series comprised of about 10 episodes where they have the same five or six celebrities. And every week they have to do stupid tasks. And that can literally be you need to move this pile of sand from here mm. to there. 
and you can only use what's on the table and the table will have like a colander on it and it's ridiculous things like that and there's some of the tasks are open to interpretation of like you you can't touch this but it doesn't mean you can't move it and stuff like that and some things are very clear and it's it's hard to explain or talk about but I laugh so much the amount of times I have to pause Taskmaster because I'm laughing so much I have to just let it finish and then go back and watch it again Greg Davis and Alex Horn have great banter they rip well I say they Greg Davis rips Alex Horn yes. to pieces <laughs> it can rise and fall on the guests so this series was actually a really good bunch of people the best one I think so yeah, far Paul yeah. Sinner who I didn't think I was going to like mm. because he's from the chase so he's very clever but his reading of the task sometimes was so stupid. Like Greg Davis kept saying to him, like, you're going to get fired from the chase because the things you are doing are so stupid. No one would think that you could be on the chase anymore because you're meant to be clever. And it is just... So some of them are like really sort of active tasks. Some of them are just like real thinkers. And some of them is as simple as like throw this egg into this box. But it's the way they will do them, the way they... Because they do... It's filmed over like six months, I think. So they don't see each other doing the tasks. And they quite often say, like, I completely... F-, like, it comes out and they go, I can't remember what I did in this task because I filmed it three months ago. And it's just... It's brilliant. It's on... Is it UK Play, I think, is the yeah. app for Dave? There's nine series of it now, I think. And there's been a champion of champions after five Which series. Which is good as well. Yeah, but it's just... Just go and watch it. You can just pick up the odd episode. You don't need to watch it in order. Noel Fielding's done a series. And he was really, really good. Good value yeah. on that. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Watch it. I, um, I couldn't get on with it at all. Oh, Dan came it. round yeah. and put it on, and him and Lucy watched a couple of episodes. And I actually think I got up and did something else. But I just could not get on with oh, it at I all. Love it. I don't know if it's the format or whatever, but no. It, I, I, I absolutely love Taskmaster. I, I'm, yeah. I, if I'd have thought about it, it would have made yeah. the top five. Um, and this series with David Baddiel and Joe Brand. Oh, David Baddiel. He's so fucking useless. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Not he, one wooden spoon, but <laughs> several wooden spoons, and you still didn't realise it wouldn't work. It's Oh, my God. So so many of them are great. Bob Mortimer is my favourite ever oh, guest. Yeah. Just uh, the song they did for uh, <laughs> Tarstenbury. What was her name? Yeah. Rosalind, you're a yeah. fucking nightmare. Yeah, Bob Mortimer was funny, but that wasn't yeah. this year. So I, won't, yeah. I won't feel myself pooing. <laughs> But yeah, that's my number one. Yeah, lovely. I like yeah. it. I like a bit of me. We didn't have any crossovers, did we? Oh, no. Schnobble. and mine. Did we? Oh yeah. Oh, we did have crossovers. <coughs> um, okay, cool. So that's our top five TV shows. We're now going to look at three, three of our most disappointing yeah. films or slash bad films that we saw this year. Terry, should we mix up the uh, order a little we bit can so Dan do. doesn't you're, go first? You're leading, so yeah. What do you want to go first, or should I? I can go first. So I originally did a top five. As everyone knows who this is a podcast, I quite like moaning and raging about films and it happens quite often. It happened this morning in the car, for instance. Yes. Um, so the number three that I've got... Do you want to explain why we're doing three and not five? Yeah, because not everyone's given us five because yeah. not everyone's quite <laughs> as Basically, vicious as me. You're the only. you're the most angry person. <laughs> Oh, no, to be fair, Lucy also gave a top five and she's oh, probably she's one a, of the nicest She's people. a furious person. Um, you haven't seen her behind closed just, doors. Just to because I've written them down. My four and five are Aladdin and Lion King. Um, oh, yeah. As people have listened I before, honestly forgot what we were doing immediately. <laughs> and I was thinking, why is he talking about films? Uh, the people that listen know that I've never really been on board with the Disney live-action remakes, but I think these are the first two that have been outright bad. The other ones I've just been, they didn't need to be made. Like Dumbo. I, I've not seen Dumbo. Because that made a lot of worst films lists this mm. year. But yeah, Aladdin I thought was dreadful, and Lion King I thought was outright bad. I think the decision to go 
for photorealistic animals ruined it because there's no emotion on their faces. You're not sad when Mufasa dies because there's no emotion. But moving on. Uh, so, what? <laughs> sorry, mate. Uh, so number three for me is The Dead Don't Die, which... Oh, I knew you were going to pick that. I absolutely wrote it down on my bit of paper and I said, this will be Terry's top So three. had we done the zombie podcast to a degree where we could release it, then that would have come up as my bin for zombies. Um, uh, obviously, I put it out there. I just think... As a zombie film, it fails. As a weird film, it's kind of interesting to say. It did make me laugh a couple of times, but I just found it overall... It's the most I think I've looked at my watch in the cinema. I just kept thinking, like, it must... Like, 20 minutes must have gone, and, like, five minutes had gone. It just felt so slow and drawn <laughs> out. Um, so, yeah, the dead don't die. Okay. I'll go next, Dan. We'll finish with you. Um, my number three is Glass... Um, Damn you, Sonia. <laughs> now, when, we, when Terry asked us for a worst list, I was like, I can't make your worst list. I've seen no bad films in 2019. And then I looked over my letterbox and I actually sent him a message going, oh my God, I forgot about Glass. And I was excited to find Glass on the list. The film you didn't tell me how bad it was to make sure I went to the cinema yeah, to see it so I so, could suffer as well. <laughs> when we went to see it at the cinema... We all purposely kept quiet and Terry was going, so how was it? How was it? We all just ignored his messages for like a day because we were like, we just want to see what he says about it. Um, so essentially with my top three, I'd, I found it really hard to actually come up with some films that I didn't enjoy. And basically what I've got here is a top three of disappointments. Yeah, so I did... With yeah. other people, I did say disappointing rather than worse yeah. films. But I do think some films just fall into the category of bad mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to put Glass in the category of bad um, so going into this um, I was a huge fan of Split I really really loved that film I was really excited to see Glass which kind of follows on although is it an origin story I don't really understand I found it a, a, just a mess of a film um, I couldn't even tell you what was going on I couldn't even give you a storyline I'm hoping that Dan might be able to and I have even written in my notes I turned to Dan at one point in the film to ask him is this as shit as I think it is and he was just like, yes. We're all, we're all People seeing... openly laughing at what was meant to be dramatic I was too moments. busy throwing my popcorn at the screen at that point. Mm. We're so, all yeah. seeing that. It was me, you and Rich, wasn't yeah. it? And we're all just sitting there looking at each other going, is this for real? Because we couldn't believe. Had a, what, uh, it, was, it was similar moment more recently. <laughs> it was almost like cringy to watch. Um, and I very rarely think a film is bad, but I've written here, this is bad. Mm. And a few days after going to see it, I rewatched Split. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, Glass has ruined that Tainted for me. Tainted it. I, I watched Split and I actually thought, no, this is, I don't like this either. Um, Glass, you have ruined everything. I've written at the end of my mm. notes. Dan, what's your uh, number three worst film of 2019? Stuba. Oh. So, because um, it looked so bad in so the trailers. What this, why did we go and see that? Because there was nothing else on. Do you remember like we, said we, we met up yeah, for a yeah. chat and then you like, oh, I think... Yeah. Oh, we go oh. see Spider-Man. Oh, no, it started half an hour yeah. ago. I was the only thing that's about to start. <laughs> I remember. Um, when we described this before we started and you turned, it goes, well, there was that one laugh. Yeah. That <laughs> that's, that we did laugh once. I love Dave Bautista. I love Kamal Nanjani. Um, I didn't like this film very much at all. Um, it's just, I don't know. Nothing happens in it, really. Like... It's just like, what if Dave Bautista was blind for a day? And what if you had to ferry him around and he was a, he was, he was a, uh, a, a, a fired... Um, uh, he's not an FBI agent, he's just a detective, isn't he? But yeah, 
And it's like, none of this works. None of it works other than uh, Kamau Nanjani is a stereotype, basically, in the film. And, um, yeah, it's not good. I doubt they'll do a stupid two, but if they do, have you seen Kamau Nanjani recently? That man is ripped. Yeah. I, I th- <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? You've, you've seen the pictures yet? What? It's for yeah. a Marvel What's, film. Yeah. What? I, know. I thought it was his head photoshopped. So did I. I thought, I thought it was going to be a big joke, but then, no. That's him. Yeah. He's but, playing a god, isn't he? Yeah, so. he is. Yeah, so he's had to get into some serious shape. Um, yeah, no, the film's not very good. There is a couple of laugh out loud moments in it. What maybe. was the bit we really laughed at? It was something shooting out of a car, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like someone getting hit in the face with like a fire extinguisher or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> take into that that you can't remember, we can't remember what it actually was. Uh, but we did laugh, though, and yeah. I'm laughing at the memory of us laughing. Yeah. Oh, good times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad I went to see it because I got to spend time with Sonia. <laughs> but that's... Oh, that it's is, not on my list. But I mean, let's just, let's, just say, <laughs> let's just say that that was the highlight and that should say everything you need to know. Oh. Um, but yeah, so there we go. Dan, uh, Terry. Uh, so my number two is Glass. <laughs> what a fucking turd. Uh, as I say... Why op- do people like it so much? Openly laughing, myself and yeah. other people. Because you know sometimes like when there's a full screening, people yeah. sort of react to each other. This wasn't a full screening because yeah. I went in the day, so there was a smattering of people, but people audibly laughing at what was clearly meant to be an emotionally resonant moment. What the fuck any of the actors were doing in it, I don't know. M. Night Shyamalan's cameo is fucking dreadful, as it always is, but it just, yeah, it was just dreadful. I have no idea what it was trying to say. I have no idea what the ending was meant to be about. Uh, yeah, just awful. Yep. Move on. I think we can all agree with that. My number two, The Good Liar. Um, this was a film... I'm getting bored just... I've written four lines about this film. Dame Helen Mirren and Sir Ian McKellen star in this. Starts off so well. I know, right? And I saw a trailer and I thought, ooh, two powerhouse actors there. <laughs> that looks good. Nice bit of drama. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked good. So I went. I went to see it with Rich from the fan club. And when it had finished, we both turned to each other and said, well, that was, that was dull, wasn't it? Um, which we weren't, we weren't uh, expecting. It's a con movie, okay? It's incredibly predictable. You kind of know what's going to happen when you watch the trailer. But you know sometimes when you watch a trailer and it purposely misleads you. So when you watch the film, you're like, oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, you got me there. But what you expect to happen in the trailer happens. (laughs) But even then, it manages to still be unexpected by being so ridiculous, so... Honestly, it beggars belief. You get... <laughs> <laughs> Just end it there. It, it went... It plodded along. I'm oh, surprised God, I didn't so... put that on the trailer for you. What, it beggars belief? Yeah. <laughs> I was so angry, I just spat on myself. Um, <laughs> it plodded along quite happily, and we thought this could, go, this could just go down as mediocre mm. in my book. I could just put it down as a little bit dull. And then the final act, when you get this reveal of the... The person being crossed double crosses the other person. And the reason why <laughs> they're doing it is so bloody far-fetched. And you realise that they must have been planning this, this um, con, if you like. This, is it I'm gonna... like Ocean's 12, where actually the, the entire plot of the film changes on like, the twist at the they end? They must have been thing. planning it for about 50 years. <laughs> You're like, I, don't under, I don't understand why this is happening. Um, utterly, utterly ridiculous. They should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves. <laughs> 
I'm so annoyed with it. I've spoken worse than I've, I've spoken more than I've written about it. It just. That's when you know a film's really got under your skin. I was just so. Shit. I was just so disappointed in the two of them. Oh, oh God, I don't want to say anything else about it. Dan, what's your number two? Extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. So, same director as the uh, Ted Bundy documentary that's on oh, Netflix. Was it? Yeah, Didn't same guy, that. which is infinitely more interesting than this film. Well, I don't know though. Mm. I found that a bit dull. Well, it's it was a bit long, wasn't it? Jesus. That's the one thing. Yeah. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Netflix being great. Mm. One thing Netflix has done, it's not like quality control, but yeah. like, like the Madeleine McCann documentary. was rubbish. I was excited about yeah. that. Then I found out it was eight fucking episodes. <coughs> There's one on... Does not need to be eight episodes. Things are just expanding so much now. Yeah. So, But, but the, the documentary was better than this film. This film made Ted Bundy a boring story. Uh, say what say what you want about the Ted Bundy story. He's not a nice person. He's not boring though, yeah. um, and it did that whole thing of maybe he's a nice guy. What a nice yeah, guy! Is he innocent? Is he did innocent? He Could he be innocent? No, he's Ted fucking Bundy. Of course he's not innocent. So, but at the end, it's got the big reveal yeah. of like that he killed the. I'm spoilers. I don't give a shit. I'm don't watch I mean, the if film. You don't yeah. know about Ted Bundy. Yeah. yeah, where have you been living? Exactly. Yeah, spoilers. Um, and then he writes Hacksaw on the uh, the thing that there's the big giveaway that's meant to be um, meant to be this big thing that that, that just big surprise surprise Ted Bundy killed a load of people. Yeah, it doesn't work, and the film is terrible. I was bored. Uh, I watched the documentary, which was better, and he should have stuck to that. Um, even that, as you say, was a bit long winded. But this was mm. this was bad. And as much as Zac Efron looked like Ted Bundy. He was still Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, if yeah. that makes any sense. It wasn't like embodying Ted Bundy in this one. Like we've seen in Mindhunter, a load of actors play serial killers and do a really, really good job. This was still Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. Did not like this film. And like at the end, they show all the actual clips from the court cases, which was way more exciting than the actual film. Nah, not good. Yeah. It's a shame. I had my. That was this, last year, this was the film that I was most looking forward to, as I, mm. I said on. You were getting a lot of buzz, wasn't it? Yeah. There we go. So back to me for my least favourite film of the year. Oh, yeah. So my number one is Child's Play. Ooh. So the, Ooh. the remake slash reboot with Mark Hamill taking over from Brad DeRiff as the voice. Outrage. Possibly the one good bit in it, though. So <laughs> the main issue with Child's Play's remake is they seem to completely misunderstand what people liked about the original Child's Play. So if you somehow don't know about Child's Play, despite the fact me and somebody talking about it on a bi-weekly basis, <laughs> um, Charles Lee Ray, who is a serial killer, through the course of events, ends up in a Chucky doll. <laughs> um, so he is a serial killer who is a living doll. He kills people. He's got an amazing laugh. He's a little shit, but you love him because he's a it, lovable he's a, scam. He's a rogue, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what you're into. You're enjoying the fact that there is a serial killer who looks like a doll and he's doing things. People think he's cute, but he's murdering people. In this reboot, it's sort of set now, so the technology is better. So this Chucky doll can control things via Bluetooth. He can do other things like that. And this film is not a serial killer in the body of a doll. It is a doll that has had all of its safety settings turned off by a disgruntled worker at the Hong Kong-based factory. So everything that this Chucky does... I don't even know why they called him Chucky, to be honest with you. It's literally... It's Chucky. He's not a good guy doll. He's a buddy doll. Um, And he obviously has Andy as his 
partner, again, it's the same story of he's a damaged doll. He ends up with Andy because his mum, who is a bit of a slag, um, she's really <laughs> not likeable in this film. Um, so he ends up with the doll and basically and Ch- uh, Chucky just becomes very protective of Andy. So everyone he hurts or causes damage to is because they are being horrible to Andy. And because he has no safety settings, he just thinks, he's not very nice, I will kill him. There's one really good kill scene that doesn't really make sense as to how he would achieve this. But yeah, so it's not... There's no charisma from Chucky. (laughs) There's no personality from Chucky. He is just a a doll. Towards the end, he's controlling drones that he's tied razor blades onto. It is the closest I've come to walking out of a film for a long time. Because it was making me angry. It was making shit. There was some like 12-year-olds in the screen and going, yeah, woo! And I'm just like... But I had to stick it out because I had to see how it ended. But yeah, I say it was just, they've gone, oh, let's remake Chucky. We'll make him technological. But they didn't look at, so it wasn't the fact that it was dolls killing people in the originals. It was the fact that it was a serial killer in a doll and they completely removed that element of it and it is boring as fuck. Now, I haven't watched this film because you specifically told me not to watch it because it would like just ruin it for me. Dreadful, dreadful. Have you seen it, Dan? No, no, not even Mark Hamill could save it, no. No. So his voice is pretty decent. He's yeah. got a, a good guy, no, the Buddy Doll song, mm. but he doesn't have the the cackle. He just sort of has a giggle and he's just like, oh, we're best... Fr-. It's not even we're best friends till the end anymore. Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> not a fan then? No. Um, okay. My most disappointed film and I've just realised I've written that much notes about it. Fucking hell. I know. This is going to be tedious, isn't it? Um, my least liked, most disappointing film of 2019, if you like, was The Irishman. Whoa. Now, Terry and I were going to do... Meatballs. Excuse me? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) After we recorded, or didn't record, the zombie episode, we had another episode planned, which was going to be, well, based around the releasing of The Irishman on Netflix and we were going to look at the films I think of Robert De Niro weren't we in connection with that but due to scheduling issues i.e. Terry potentially moving house we decided to knock that episode on the head and just plan for this one and I'm so glad we did I had to it took me three sittings to get through this and I I've described it as a snooze fest on here I've said the story was too slow-paced and, in my opinion, not interesting enough to be presented as a three-and-a-half-hour film. It even needed to be a lot shorter. Or a TV series. Or presented as, like, three-hour-long episodes, for example. Um, and the fact that I found it slow and long and, for me, not interesting, put that aside, I could not get on with the de-aging technology that they use. Now, some people have like hailed it as brilliant, and I have to admit, the first time I saw Robert De Niro's face driving that truck, I was just kind of like, whoa, what mm. the hell is that? Um, but these are essentially three men. You've got three main actors in it, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. They were all men in their 70s being asked to play men at various stages in their lives, but for some parts of the film, men in their 40s, men in their 50s, mm. and... I cannot get over the fact that I am watching a 70-year-old Robert De Niro shuffle across the road with his ironed face and feebly kick a man in the gutter. It really looks like an old man kicking someone. It is absolutely laughable at times. And there's another scene with Al Pacino and Joe Pesci arguing at a dinner 
And again, you've got Joe Pesci's incredibly ironed face. And for some reason, his face looks really brown in certain scenes. I don't know if that's just our TV settings or whatever. But at the end of his shirt sleeve, you've got this like gnarled Mary Berry style hand poking out. And I'm just like, what, what, smooth, baby smooth face and like withered old like mm. neck and hands. And just the way they're like carrying themselves. These are great actors. And I'm not like, not knocking their acting, but. We are watching three 70-year-old men apparently playing 40-year-olds and it just took so much away from it for me because I could not remove that, that fact away from it. And it's not that I know they're that age, it's the fact that I don't think they could act differently because they are, seven, they are in their 70s, they're not in their 40s, so their movements were completely wrong. It was more a case of... You're, you're moving a certain way and uh, at a certain pace and everything's being said and done at a certain pace. That's what's removing me from mm. the story. It's not the fact that I know you're in your 70s. It's, it's because of the way it was acted and I just couldn't get over it. And, and at the end of it, it finishes. And what was quite nice, there was actually like some special features. I don't know if you've gone beyond the uh, I've, credits. I've only seen it in the cinema. So. Oh, so you go beyond the credits on Netflix and there's actually... the they're sitting around, the three main actors are sat around a table with Martin Scorsese, who's also in his 70s, but let's be honest, of the four of them, he's aged the best. They're all very similar in age, and they were talking about the fact that they were sort of like shooting scenes, and at certain points, the cameraman's sort of like having to stop, and they're kind of like whispering amongst themselves, like, oh, how are we going to tell like Robert De Niro that he needs to kind of skip down the stairs <laughs> rather than slowly go down the stairs? They're all having a laugh about it, going, oh, so I had to reshoot it and skip down the stairs like a 40-year-old. It's like... Well, I was watching a different film to the one that you actually filmed then because at no point did I believe I was watching 40-year-olds. I believed I was watching 70-year-olds with incredibly ironed faces. Um, I was so, so, so disappointed because I love all of those actors and I love that director, but I was so bored. And when I was watching some of the fight scenes, I've just done air quotes, they can't even be called fight scenes because it was like mm. watching my, you know, watching mm. someone's nan kick someone. You know, it was just, it was just I also laughable, thought the, in my opinion. Where they did like the multiple timelines made it unnecessarily confusing because at one point he's in his 40s, then he's in his 60s, then he's in his 70s, then he's back to 40s. It's like just... But because, yeah, so there's that. But because of the way they were acting as well, because of... Because of their age, I couldn't, you couldn't really... There was no like, real discernible change in them, I don't think. So no. it, you couldn't always tell where you were meant to be in it. Um, so hugely disappointed from all of them all round. Although I do think of the three of them, Al Pacino did the best job. I thought Joe Pesci was very good at it. Loads of people have said that. I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but someone said if he doesn't get a best supporting Oscar for that. But I was just like, no, no, no. I just could not get on with it at all. What I will say about, about these three that I've just talked about, Glass was the bad film in the list. The other two are on the list because I found them so incredibly mm. boring. However, I was chatting to friend of the pod, Tim, who said to me the other day, the worst thing a film can be is boring. Mm. And I will take bad over boring any day. So of those three films, if you were to put them in front of me right now, I'd watch Glass because I'd rather watch a bad film than a yeah, boring film. At least you have film. a reaction to it. Yeah. Exactly. Now, so as we were saying about the TV stuff with the Irishman, I feel like Netflix, because obviously Martin Scorsese ranted about Netflix and streaming and stuff like that. And the reason he's gone to Netflix is because they gave him the money to make the film he wanted to make. Another 
director, a bit like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm. that we talked about, they wouldn't get three and a half hours and a hundred and fifty million pound budget. They get told no, but he's gone there because they're willing to do it. And I feel like there needs to be a point where they start. Cause it's a bit like King Kong with Peter Jackson as well. No one dare tell him that your film's too long and it's boring because he's Peter Jackson who just won a million Oscars. Mm. And they need to sit down and go, you cannot release a three and a half hour film. Mm. Like it needs to be a TV series. You need, you could easily trim 45 minutes off that film and mm-hmm. not lose anything. So yeah, I just feel like the streaming, although obviously it's created a lot of good things, I do mm. think it's created a lot of problems with things being longer than they really need to be. Yeah. What's your number one then, Dan? Ice Glass. I mean, we've no, mentioned no, no it enough need to talk of it. About yeah, that. it's a shit show. It's uh, got some of the worst exposition I've seen in a film. The acting's terrible. I don't understand why the, people seem to really like this film. Doesn't well, Mark come out like it? He loves it. Yeah. Like yeah. It. I don't know. It's for me. It was just a little too, shit. too on the nose with a lot of the stuff, and I really, really didn't like it. Um, it, it annoyed me. So so much this film did, and yeah, we've already spoken about it a million times. So, but yeah, I absolutely hated it. Awful film. Well, it's nice to know we're all in agreement about yeah. that. Yeah, glass is shit. Yeah, really right. terrible. Although I would, I would watch it over the Irishman. I'm, I still haven't watched the Irishman yet. That's on the, on the list. I will. Well, watch Terry it really point. liked it, and I found it. It was too long, but I th- I thought. The overall story, and I thought the acting was quite good in it. But yeah, I, everything you've said, I completely agree mm. with. You did. You don't feel like you're watching forty-year-olds. So moving on then to our our viewer slash listener slash <clears throat> people that we know. What do we want first? We want TV. TV. Let's do the shit sandwich again. Shit sandwich. Good, bad, so, good. TV. So in at number five is Stranger Things. Number four, Unbelievable. Ooh. Number three, Mindhunter. Ooh. Number two, which didn't come up on any of our lists, Top Boy, which is a Netflix ah, one. Yeah. I've not watched it. No, neither have I. Um, heard very <coughs> favourable things about it. And then our theatrical cut TV show of the year is Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I can live with that. Uh, way out and in front of the others. Our shit sandwich, so our filling, our shitty, shitty filling is... What would our shitty filling be? Span Tongue. Yeah, not a fan of that. Liver. (laughs) Love that, Dan. Yeah, not a fan of that. (laughs) Uh, So number three, one that hasn't been mentioned at all, we've got Pet Cemetery. Okay. Which, yeah, was pretty disappointing. Uh, Number two, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Cruel and Vile. Yeah. And number one, Runaway Winner, Glass. (laughs) Oh, the people are with us. The people are with us. The people's champions. This film actually makes me think people are paid off. Like, that's how bad it is. It makes me think the people have actually been paid off with that one, so yeah. And then the, the big one, the 2019 film. So starting at number 10, we have a three-way tie for number 10. Ooh. We have Toy Story 4, Aladdin, fucking idiots, and <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn. Can I just say, my mother voted for Aladdin, <laughs> so you watch your mouth. Uh, number nine is a three-way tie. Again, we have yep. Ad Astra, Hobbs and Shaw, and Downton. Yeah. Does that mean that Sonia was the only person that voted for Downton? Maybe. Maybe we had lots of viewer <laughs> votes as well. Maybe oh, we true. are dealing with like 10 people yeah. voting Dan. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight is Official Secrets. Number seven, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joint sixth is Midsummer and Knives Out. Joint fifth, Le Mans 66 slash Ford versus Ferrari and Us. Number four, John Wick. Number three, Rocket Man. Number two... Endgame. Ooh! And number one, The Joker. Ah, there we Do go. you know what? You said Endgame and I immediately forgot about every other film. So I was yeah, like, yeah. what could be number one? 
Joker. So, quite strangely, out, including all of the public, only one person had Joker as their number one film. Wow. wow. Endgame was more number ones, but the people that didn't vote, like there was some people that just didn't have it at all, whereas mm. everyone had the Joker. And on the public vote, Endgame actually came top for most disappointing film. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah. I just say a lot of people I know just thought it was too big, it was too brash, it didn't yeah. which I sort of get, but I yeah. mean what are you expecting? So yeah, so our <laughs> twenty nineteen film of the year is The Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Our worst film is Glass. And our TV show is Chernobyl. What what a cheery bunch yeah. we are. <laughs> We're going to go and watch The Joker followed by Chernobyl. And cheer ourselves up by watching Glass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's another year done. Um, I mean, we could have done Decade, but I guess we haven't done the podcast for a decade. And that would have been <laughs> quite some fucking thing. Still do movies for a decade. Um, not now, though. But yeah. Yeah, not right now. Yeah. But yeah, so there you go. That's us done for another year. You're presenting this episode, Sonia. I don't know why I've taken over. That's fine. <laughs> you try and take everything away from me. Yeah, so thank you everyone for taking the time to vote and getting in touch with us and sharing your thoughts. And thank you to Dan for being here with us and for hosting. Hello. No worries. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I love, yeah. it. I love Editing like our this. shit all the time. What? I've got to do what? Editing our shit. Oh, shit. Uh, editing? I just put them out. That's what we thought. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, fine, because it will have your phone call on it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll hey, buds. Hey, baby. Okay, fine. I'll edit that <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so cool. Thanks for listening. Keep on listening. Is there anything anyone's looking forward to for 2020 that we know of? Sex Education 2. Obviously, Black Widow for me. Little Women, I'm actually quite looking forward to. That's obviously out in the next couple of weeks. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, that's that's a big one for Bombshell. me. Bombshell. Well. Bombshell looks quite good. There's a couple ahead up now. I can't remember. Ghostbusters. A big yeah, one new for me. Ghostbusters. Absolutely love Ghostbusters. I really like the trailer for that. Yeah, it looks great. It looks fun. We we uh, oh Maverick. Oh yeah, that looks yeah. fucking brilliant. Excited about some more Top Gun. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, so that's that's what's <laughs> going to come for us in 2019. We'll we'll see you there. Yeah. Mic drop. If you want to contact us on any oh, yeah. kind of social medias. <laughs> We didn't do that on the last one. You either. didn't. No. I, I, what I'll do is I'll do like a blanket one and I'll cut and paste it onto both of them. <laughs> no wonder we've got no Burke. fucking listeners. <laughs> I don't advertise it anyway. I just constantly talk about another podcast. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Go on really. then, Dan, you can do it. If you want to contact Theatrical Cuts, you can hit them up on Instagram. Like sing it as a song, then. If you want... No, not, <laughs> why did I start? Uh, if you want to contact Theatrical Cuts, hit them up on Instagram, Theatrical Cut Pod on Instagram, and Theatrical Cuts on Facebook. Uh, and if you want to hit up Too Much Time on Hands, which is my podcast, there's... Uh, it's Too Much TMTOOH on Instagram. It's TMTOOH on Twitter. I don't know why I'm struggling with this. And TMTOOH on Facebook as well, for that matter. Also, just started up is a new branch of the Too Much Time and Hands family. Uh, play RPGs where we sit around and we play uh, a nerdy RPG called Starfinder. Uh, that's just Play RPG on Instagram uh, and on Twitter at the moment. Play RPGs, I think, on Twitter, whatever. Dan, um, do you yeah. have more hours in your day than everyone else? No, I just don't sleep very much. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't want to say thanks for listening. It's not my podcast. Okay, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll see you next year. Do it again, Terry. Mike, drop. Mike, drop.